Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of this show. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, maybe watching on YouTube, you are listening to The Daily Thread. Okay, last episode of the week. We made it. <laughs> we inched our way here. It was an exciting week. It was a jam-packed uh, week full of news. Um, yeah. You know, I wanted to point out a couple of things uh, before we start. First of all, yesterday was Yitzvat, and besides your birthday, very auspicious day as we discussed. It's also the day that the Lubavitch Rebbe assumed his leadership of the Chabad movement until its passing in uh, 1994. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so I, I mischaracterized his first mime, Bussi Lugani. Okay? Ooh, I guess you got I, I guess you got feedback. No, I I don't know did you. I, I I oversimplified it. I wanted to keep it simple, but I just want to say that there was a, it was it was I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the depth of it, but okay. it was just a, a mime that uh, um, is that uh, the message was to transform the 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 falseness the falsity of the of the world the shekhar of the world and turn it into a a, a godly environment a, okay. a, a kadushitik environment and that uh, and what the rebbe was communicating is that in order to achieve that level you need a rebbe you need a rebbe in order to to channel that kind of um elevation and uh and progress that a person has to make in terms of fulfilling the uh objective uh, of creation that's uh, basically it so i wanted to clarify that Okay. I, okay. Now, also, that, now that we got that out of the way. Now you got, so listen, you know, the New York Times, by the way, I mean, I don't read the New York Times anymore, but I, I have to tell you speaking that. Speaking to they, the mic, you're speaking they, like they that. Have, they have columns of corrections every single day. Corrections, you know, yeah. They yeah. Have the stuff that's on the front page that's wrong, they have a correction on like page 67, you know, uh, saying yesterday's headline on the front page, we said that, uh, you know, John Smith was really Paul Smith. Who died? But yeah. it was John Smith. We're sorry, okay. And and the, and they go on with that. Uh, anyway, what did you want to discuss? I mean, I wanted to say one more thing. Uh, go uh, for it. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about terror attacks here. We talked about Neveyakov, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we talked about uh, the next day the shooting in the old in the uh, Ir David. Yeah. Um, yesterday, remember last year there was a uh, axe attack in Elad. Elad. Where three people were axed to death, yes, and a and a fourth uh, was was badly injured. Mm-hmm. A security guard at the park where this took place. This took place at a park where people were with their kids, and three people unfortunately died. I don't know if it was a year ago. It might have been less than a year ago. Okay, uh, but I have to look it up to see when it was. But I'm not going to do that now. Uh, but yesterday, the man, the 75 year old security guard, died yesterday from his injuries. So it's months later. Uh, the attack, which everybody was outraged over, faded into history, except, of course, for the people that it affected uh, directly and intimately. But uh, yesterday, uh, there was another victim of terror, the 75-year-old man who passed away from his injuries in this crazy, crazed, crazed axe attack Terrible. Uh, um, in, in, in Elad. And what can I tell you? We, we, we're, tomorrow night will be a week since the Yaakov. Look how look how we're built uh, psychologically. How we're able to absorb this information. I mean, we're also here, and I mean, I, I imagine the the community members of Neveyako are, are still, you know, unable to really move forward. You know, we're a little bit removed. We're six thousand miles away, and although they're our they're members of our larger family that were that were killed, it doesn't hit home as mu- as 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 closely as probably something that would happen, and that could be. A, uh, with Hassan and 
And us, I don't know. Well, you know, but is you know, interestingly enough, and probably properly so, uh, Israeli leaders in situations like this, they they couch it in terms of what it means to sacrifice for the for the for the growth and the strength and the security of the state of Israel. Interesting. And, and they couch it in those terms. Uh, these people were sacrificed, and whatever is going to be uh, built in their memory. Uh, in the future, in 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 the Veyako, of course, you know, the the newspapers didn't uh, didn't uh, forget to say that the Veyako was in East Jerusalem and it's occupied Palestinian territory. Mm. Blah blah blah. As they try to move in the direction of saying that it was, you know, something that was provoked by the Jews, uh, by the Israelis. They didn't say that, but I'm sure someone said it somewhere. But that's the direction they tried to move the whole narrative uh, of the story in. And by the way, last night. Last night, um, last night uh, there was a rocket fired from Gaza. Into yeah, Israel. I saw that. I saw that there. Into Stayrot. Into uh, of course it was intercepted by Iron Dome. Okay, well, you ever you ever see an Iron Dome? I've never, not in person. I've seen yeah, the videos I, of I, it. I, a couple of years ago, I was taken to an Iron Dome installation near Ashkelon, uh, which is not that far from the Gaza border, and. It looks I remember like once we were we were in Stayrot from a bar mitzvah, and yes, yes. and the rocket landed not too far away. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really see the rocket land. We No, we heard it. We saw a troop coming out of Gaza, if you remember correctly. Right, yeah. There was this guy with, with this guy on the food truck and yeah. you know, it was a you know, if 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 it was a Hollywood uh, set, it would have looked the same. <laughs> but it was real. I know it was you know? crazy, yeah. We saw soldiers coming out of Gaza after whatever it was, a 36-hour mission, you know, to root out some terrorists and um what was that click? And um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, and they were rooting out terrorists, and you know they came out and they were, you know, starved for sleep and starved for food. Interestingly enough, we gave them food. We didn't give them sleep. We gave them food, and I remember, I remember there was a there was a soldier off in the in the periphery that took his towels and filling yeah. and put his towels and filling on. I think the most amazing thing is I, I vividly remember them saying that they eliminated something like seven or eight terrorists. Yeah. Um, and you see them hugging each other because they realize that none of their own people were were hurt or killed. And they were. The public security minister said last night in retaliation for the rocket fire, Israel bombed two like storage places where they keep allegedly where the Hamas keeps uh, ingredients to build rockets. I don't get it. Like, why don't they bomb that? So Ben Gvir said that, but so for the first time, Ben Gvir said last night he's not satisfied with the Israeli response. If you fire a rocket into a population where regular innocent people live, and by the way, a woman was injured running to a shelter and is in the hospital. Really? She was hurt running to a shelter. That's a victim. That's a victim as well. You don't have to be, you don't have to be hit between the eyes with a rocket in order to be considered a victim. I mean, they're all victims. Anyone who lives in that region is a victim of terror. The kids who are who can't sleep at night because of the constant fear of terror well, attacks things. are victims. So ben ben Greer said he's not happy with the government's uh, response. That there should be assassinations of uh, Hamas leaders if a rocket is fired. Okay, Israel used to do that. They eliminated terrorist leaders. It's not a bad thing to do that. <laughs> I'm not advocating for that because I'm sitting in Cedarhurst. You know, uh, I'm from a from a political from a militarily uh, military strategic perspective, it's the right thing to do. So why don't they do it? Trump did it. Biden did it. So Biden eliminated uh, ISIS terrorists. I don't think he realized what he did. Oh no! You're not going off on a tangent. <laughs> no, but what? Why? Why don't they? What? Why don't they do that? 
because they're 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 conflicted about what the right thing to do is. Because the newspapers call it, uh, they call it extrajudicial extra uh, killing. It means they didn't arrest them and put them in jail and uh, have a judge say there's no bail and you have to have a trial and the trial and the jury has to convict them. And this is one of the. This is why they call it the 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 Middle East conflict. This is like. This is crazy <laughs> because they yeah. can't even protect their own citizens. When you when you eliminate a terrorist with a drone that goes into his bedroom and kills him, it's done. You don't have to worry about the trial. You don't have to worry about arresting him. You don't have to worry about sending soldiers in. You know, people that that uh, indulge in terror, that uh, aim to uh, kill men, women, and children, have no place on this earth, and they don't need excuses. Uh, or to have to answer to the United Nations about how they're doing it and what they're doing, or the court, or the court of public opinion. And one more thing: after the Nevayakov uh, attack, um, um, Ben Gvir said that he's going. It's like becoming the Ben Gvir show. Yeah. But Ben Gvir said that they're they're he's issuing he's increasing the number of permits for pistols that are allowed in the population. And uh, Aritz Sheva reported today that there's seventeen thousand people waiting for. Uh, permits to to be armed. Wow, seventeen thousand people. Is that, I'm guessing that's a lot of people. Listen, you know, uh, uh, I think in the in the Ir David situation, uh, the same day, it was a civilian that yeah, was carrying was. a gun that a swift uh, action that, that knocked the guy out. It really so was. The, I mean, that's you know you, you see you see kids you see little kids don't even shave walking around Israel with uh, submachine guns uh, on their shoulder on their back. I mean. I mean, they're authorized to do that. The well, military. I think if every if every Jew that lives in in Yerushalayim and in the old city is a target, if they're a target, then they should be armed to to be basically protect themselves. Um, if they feel comfortable, that is like, I don't know. It's really it's such a complicated it's such a complicated conflict because tens of thousands of Jews go from America to Israel from Yom Tovim and none of it, they don't see any of this. Like they go and they're staying in the old, they're staying near the old city and they're staying in, in Rechavia and it's all hunky-dory. It's all beautiful. And then well, you, you know see what? these things on the news, you're like, what? But they have, listen, you know what? Uh, I remember when, uh, when uh, Malki and Dini were in seminary, you know, in Israel, uh, I don't know what it is, 20, 20, 20, 22 years ago. Um, sometimes they would hear sirens and they would call me to ask me what happened because in Israel, somehow you don't feel it. In Israel, I mean, where something happens in one corner of the country, the buses are still running, the restaurants are still open, people still have to have their French fries and their falafel and people are going to shul and, and life goes on. Right. Here, to us here, Israel like is under a microscope. Yeah. But there, you're living life. Well, here's a story via the Times of Israel, and this this is tragic. Um, two people were, were killed Wednesday night when a car overturned on a, on a Jerusalem street then careened into a, a pedestrian, the Israel police said. A man who was 78 years old was a passenger in the car, and a woman 19 years old was walking along the street were declared dead at the scene. Another woman who was 76 was driving the car. She was seriously injured. Both of the cars and the occupants were residents of the city. Uh, the accident happened on Azrael Hildesheimer Street in the German colony neighborhood. The narrow street is in some parts steeply inclined and there was heavy rain on Wednesday night. Many roads in the area became shallow streams in rain uh, shallow streams in these rainstorms. Um, and now this this tragedy hits 
close to home because uh, a woman that was killed, a 19-year-old woman that was killed is from the five towns. She's from West Hampstead. Yeah. Um, near, near the five towns, but mm-hmm. it's like an extension yeah. of the five towns. Um, but uh, as a local girl, the seminary was, I think I read Amudim as a seminary. Amudim Seminary, and um, she was walking back to her, her dorm. Her is, dorm. That where, is that where it is? I don't know where the seminary is. But listen, it's a, what can I tell you? It's a, it's a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah, you it's send your kid to Israel, and you know, but uh, it's a car accident. And, um, yeah, I mean, it says that uh, second guessing. What are you going to do? So initial police investigation found that the car was apparently traveling fast along the street for an unknown reason, hit a safety barrier. The car then overturned and continued to slide down the street, hitting the pedestrian. Listen, it's nothing short of tragic. And listen, you know, Israeli drivers, especially if you're elderly, they're not equipped to deal with uh, with this type of inclement weather, especially if it's cold and it gets a little icy. You know, it becomes a big, uh, a big, uh, um, a big problem, a uh, big problem there. And unfortunately, uh, this is what happened. And there's a family in West Hempstead that sent their kids to seminary and uh, have to deal with this now. And uh, they should be comforted in their loss, and uh, they should find the strength to to carry on. I mean, uh, Hunter Biden. Oh, geez, talk about uh, 180 degree turns. <laughs> I mean, there's no turn that would be a good turn, but the, you know, Hunter uh, Biden finally uh, admits the laptop in his uh, is his. <laughs> Yeah, but now he's saying that the guy that who's a repair shop it was in, yeah, um, uh, violated his rights by using the information. Great, awesome, but it's his. <laughs> yeah, but so the guy he never he never picked up the laptop, and he never paid the guy for the. Yeah, I don't know. He, he never he he never, he never paid him. He wants to find out whose laptop it was, so he had to go inside to find the information. Like someone finds your cell phone, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to take an advertisement in the New York Times, found a cell phone in uh, Times Square. Why aren't no. the Democrats? They're going to go on. They're going to look in your phone book for home, and they're going to call your home and say, hi, I found a cell phone. Is this your cell phone? Well, this 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 repair shop guy really hit the jackpot, no? Well, listen, he, you know, two things uh, about uh, John Mac Isaac is the guy's name. He even wrote a book about it already. No way. Um, yes way. And uh, he had to find out whose laptop it was. The guy had a, a a laptop, a computer repair shop yeah. somewhere in Delaware. He's not working for the CIA. You know, he he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't have a three hundred and sixty-one million dollar contract with the, with the New York Mets or the New York Yankees. He was a hardworking guy. The guy brought him a laptop. He wanted to see whose it was because it was there for months. It wasn't picked up, and he went and he saw all the stuff. He turned it over to the FBI. He did the right thing. And then, and then the story was sort of but suppressed. He also, made, he also made a copy of everything that was in there before he turned it over to the FBI and turned the copy over to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter Biden's lawyers are demanding Fox News to correct some of its coverage about the president's son or face a defamation lawsuit. According to the Washington Post, the lawyers also th- are th- uh, sent threatening letters to individuals, including Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Biden became the subject of continuous coverage in conservative media after his infamous laptop was left, a, left at a Delaware repair store in 2019. And John Paul Mac Isaac, that's a John Paul Mac Isaac. What were his parents thinking? What's his know. last name? Mac Isaac or Isaac? You should have called him John Paul George Ringo. Call him JPM. JPM. John Paul Mac Isaac. That's four. <laughs> that's four. That's four first names. Maybe his name is. Maybe his last name is Mac Isaac. No, it's separate. It's Mac Isaac. Maybe he's Jewish. No, it's not Mac Isaac. Someone said the other day. <laughs> uh, on uh, someone said, uh, I heard someone say, "Oh, you know." Um, the 
anti-Semites think that the Titanic was uh, was sunk by the Jews by someone named Iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> I think you just, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago, five years ago. <laughs> you can laugh about it now. It's unfortunate, but it's funny. Uh, so John Paul Mac Isaac <laughs> made copies. Oh, of- now you got it. <laughs> You just got it now? John Paul Mac Isaac made copies of the hard drive, which contained information about Biden's business dealings, as well as controversial photos and videos of Biden. Hard drive was later sent to Giuliani. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know why it's even like, <laughs> imagine having the nerve to sue for defamation after Hello. you were caught. Uh, like, one second. No, the story is bigger than that. Yeah, I got it back up. During the campaign between Biden and Trump, um, Biden said on the debate stage that this 51 intelligence officers said this is Russian disinformation. Nah. This entire laptop is a plant by the Russians. Your blood pressure just like spiked. Um, don't worry about my blood pressure. <laughs> my blood pressure is good. Is it? I have low blood. I've I suffered from low blood pre- low blood pressure. Like what? Like what's the numbers? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it's right on target. 120 over 80. 120 over 70 usually. That's pretty solid. No, that's the, that's good. Yeah, that's good. If you pay the doctor a couple of dollars extra, he even lower it for you a little bit. <laughs> oh, he wants okay. Even, even extra twenty bucks. So I guess it wasn't Russian. Dis- I guess it wasn't Russian disinformation. I saw a well, stat you know, yesterday, by the way. But you have to, you know, now now that it's a couple of years later, if you pick apart what they said in the letter, and they now they're picking it apart on CNN and other liberal networks like MSNBC, the letter said it has the earmarks of Russian disinformation. They didn't say it's Russian disinformation. It's it the has earmarks. the earmarks. It looks like Russian disinformation. Speaking of Russians, I had a I saw a stat yesterday that 188,000 uh, soldiers of the Russian army were either killed or injured in this really? in this war with Ukraine. I, what I, a, I think I was right. There's a half a million uh, Russian soldiers uh, getting ready on the border of the Ukraine. This still this thing is still going on. Listen. Um, you know, Trump, Donald Trump says that if he was president, there wouldn't have been uh, a war like this. Yeah, well, I would have called Vladimir and I'd tell you, Vladimir, I'll push the big red button, Vladimir. No, like he listen, would. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe someone like Putin or Xi in, um, in, um, in uh, China, maybe they're, uh, maybe they're afraid of Trump. Well, let me ask you a question. I saw that uh, Rabbi Baral, Baral Lazar met with Vladimir Putin recently, the Chabad Shliach of Moscow, uh, the chief rabbi of Moscow. Very close, apparently. Very close. Yeah, it's I kind mean, of being. Cl- it's like it's like being close to Doctor Doomstein. Like no, but he's a he he's a facilitator of the growth of uh, of Judaism in 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 Russia. So he's been very friendly to the Jewish people, you know, and uh, very facilitating of the expansion of. Is Vladimir Russia. Putin considered like a dictator? Yeah, I I I'd say I think so. Right, and he he's involved in a in a war that is unnecessary and pretty offensive. Well, he's supposed to. Uh, the story is he's supposed to be very ill. I know, but I'm just saying, like, he's supposed to have cancer. He's supposed to have Parkinson's disease. What are we supposed to? <laughs> That's what they report. But you get conflicting reports. So I guess Rabbi he, Barrel Lazar would know. I don't know. I don't think he wants to talk about Putin. You know, I don't think he and can talk about that. He's talking about him. You know, That's probably the scariest thing. Uh, no, uh, to be in his shoes. In Putin's shoes or Lazar's no, shoes? No, in Putin's shoes, I don't know. In, in, in Rabbi Lazar's shoes. Like, that's a scary position to be in. Listen, he's a shleich of the Re- Lubavitcher Rebbe, and he's carrying out a shleich. Where, where was he born? Did he, was he, is he he's Russian? From, he's from Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. Yeah. He's related to the Lazar family here in the five towns. You know, he'd either be, right now, he'd either be, uh, <laughs> he'd either be dealing with alternate side parking or meeting with if he was still one of the Brooklyn, biggest, nastiest dictators in the if world. He, if he was still in Brooklyn, he would be worried about whether it's going to be any snow this winter. 
I guess she only has to worry about. Uh, Isn't it crazy rockets. how a Chabad shliach, a rabbi, is involved in like in the crosshairs of this war between Russia and Ukraine? You know, one of the one of the great things about uh, uh, what's his name, Jeff Bezos, uh, Bezos, Bezos, and his rocket ship. There's something there. about people from your generation that they pronounce like names completely. You know, I don't think you want to get into a discussion about <laughs> pronouncing words. You Why know, not? I don't think you're, you're exactly the guy that should, <laughs> should be uh, discussing how to, how words get pronounced. Bezos? Okay? Yeah, so what did Bezos say? A, na- a name is a name, you know? Yeah, okay. People, I mean, people, John Paul Mac Isaac, yeah, go people on. People have gone up to, he, people go up in, a, in his rocket ships, you know? What do they call it? A rocket ship? Yeah, the Jeff, the Bezos project. Are you talking about Musk? Oh, no, it's Bezos. Bezos has a rocket ship. Or Musk has a space. Musk has. A, um, Bezos definitely has a program that sends up rocket ships to the moon. No, no, no. That's Only, Musk. That's Musk. You want to fact check? Oh, oh no, I think you're SpaceX. Right. I think you're right, but Bezos <laughs> you, went up in one of its rocket ships. It's 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 but Jeff Bezos went up in one of its. It's rocket Bezos, ships. Abba. Bezos. Jeff Bezos. You know him personally. You know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> You know, every time you call me, it says Nachi is calling. No one ever says on my my phone doesn't say. Nachi That's also is a U generation thing. When I get a phone call, that my phone doesn't say Abba is calling. Your phone says Nachi Gordon is calling. How does that? How do you? I guess the I guess the the voice though, the little person stuck inside the phone there only knows how to pronounce certain words. Does, does that does that work for like AARP members? I think it's the only person. I think it's the same person that's in the Waze. Is AARP, what is AARP? Only person in Waze also. I think it's the same person in the yeah? in the Apple phones. So yeah, so Musk send, sends people to the moon. Uh, yeah, and Bezos went up, one of the first ones. Really? And he went from up there, you go up like five miles into the air or more, five miles or more. They go, I have no idea. I don't idea. know how many miles they go up. They see the earth. And it looks like a, like a bowling ball. No, I saw I saw a video of a guy who's breaking the world record. He was, I guess, part of the Red Bull team, right? And he was jumping from part of what Red Bull. You know, Red Bull does all these. Uh, they do these stunts. Okay. And um, he was jumping from space to Earth. Yeah. And he wanted to be the first human to break through the sound barrier. Did he make it? He made it. He lived. But so they had this video. It took him quite a while to fall. So he's in space, it's black, and he sees the earth, and he's on a ledge, and he tips over and he falls, and he's breathing on his own oxygen inside his spacesuit, and he starts spinning. And the concern was, and there's a whole center, there's on Houston, there's a whole center trying when, to guide when, him down. When was this? I don't know, like years ago, right? a couple years ago. A, a, this was a dream you had, or no? <laughs> I saw this. Really happened. I no. saw this video you saw it too. So yeah, I jumped from outer space. You jumped from outer space, and he broke through the sound barrier, and like you heard it, like he broke the. But there's people. no gravity. There's no gravity up there. Was he wearing a, like a? Motor he was wearing yeah. Back? He was wearing a lot of stuff. So he had a motor. He was motor. It wasn't a motor. Uh, should I show you the video? Uh, yeah, you can show. Me I'll the show video you the video. There. Anyways, he's falling, and then all of a sudden he starts spinning. And like the, there's, there's no way to prepare for this, but the concern is that he's spinning so fast. The only way he could po- possibly die is if the blood exits his body through his eyes. His and, eyes. And if he's spinning fast enough, that is potential. That potentially could happen. So he needed to do something to stop spinning. He's, he's putting his arms out, and ultimately he did something that that made him stabilize. He broke through the sound barrier, and then he's now the sky is blue and the sun is out, and he, he's on he's on to Earth, and he lifts his mask. He's breathing the oxygen, and uh, he made it. And I and I for the life of me cannot understand 
how I can't get on a like I wouldn't I, I'd be I'd be woozy over here on the third floor of this building looking down and this well, you have to practice I guess you got to practice you know what does that do with Beryl Lazar oh, you want to know about how <laughs> how uh, you want to know how Chabad has uh, how how they have this this influence and this this power no, no the, the so world. this was Beryl Lazar Beryl Lazar jumped from the space what <laughs> I'm kidding I'm Are you kidding me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me see what other stories I have. I sent you a lot of stories this morning. We're, we're winding down. Okay, we're winding down already. Let me see if I sent you anything interesting, anything good. Anyway, okay. Parsha B'Shalach, the Shira. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It's Third, your, uh, your 14 years ago. You're 15 my, years 14? ago. 15, 15, no? B'Shalach, Paro. Oh, this is a turning point. A turning point in we were in the Tzemach Sedek Shul. That's right. It was a 10, 10 o'clock davening, 10.30 davening. Very beautiful. You had a beautiful kiddush. I did lane well, didn't I? Yes, you lane very well. You lane the Shabbos? Nope. No? Well, you forgot the Pasha already? Yeah, don't you practice? I probably know the first Aliyah, and I know the Shira. You know the Shira? I know the Shira. It's a different trump. The Shira. Az Yashir Moshe. Different trump, completely. B'nai Yisrael. Shira. Yossi Sanolek was my... My, well, uh, you should, you should, you should stay. Uh, you should, you should try to remember it. What was your bar mitzvah? Uh, Veschanan. Do you know how to lane it? Um, a good part of it. I don't know. Veschanan is very short. It's not so short. Uh, I think Shlishi to Ravi is, is like forever, or maybe Shani to Shlishi. I remember laning, and then I just like mamba out. I like left <laughs> you are relieved you're relieved after oh that. my goodness yeah anyway in this week's parsha the the b'nai israel leave uh, mitzrayim yeah they're on the beach on the amsuf and they're and the egyptians are chasing them right yeah and what does it say in the chumash it says they yelled they screamed out by itzaku el hashem they, they screamed out they screamed out to god and so the question is god tells them they're leaving mitzrayim he told them they're going to go to Harstina and get the Torah, and they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael. And Hashem said that, okay. Hashem doesn't uh, does not keep his promises. What were they? So what were they screaming out to Hashem? If he already told them they're going, right? So what was? And they th if they thought he, if they thought he changed his mind and they weren't going, then what are they calling out to him for? Uh, he's the guy that they suspect possibly that he's not going to fulfill his promise to them. To go into the Sinai, go into Sinai and go to Har Sinai and get the Torah and go into Eretz Yisrael. So they, it says in the Pasha that they called out to Hashem. What they call out to him for? You know, either they trust him, or they trusted in him or not. So Rashi says, really, of course they trusted in Hashem. They knew that they're going to cross. They're, they're going to be able to cross the sea one way or another somehow. They knew they're going to go to Har Sinai and get the Torah because Hashem said they knew they're going to go into Eretz Yisrael eventually even though it was 40 years later, after the Chetam Baraglim and so on and so forth. So what were they, what were they doing? Rashi says, Umanus Shalavaisam, that this is what Jews do. A Jew davens. A Jew davens. Whatever, whatever the situation is, it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to be in an emergency situation. Uh, a, a Jew davens. Shachar's Menchemarev. You daven, that's the focus of your day. That's the focus of your day. I think I told you the story here many Many times, not least one time, one time in the past, there's a, an old chassid, Mendel Futafas. Did I tell you about him? Yeah. He was teaching uh, Torah underground in the old Soviet Union, and he was arrested and exiled to Siberia. And they blindfolded him and put him on a train. And for 36 hours, he was on a train nonstop to go to Siberia. So when he finally got out of the Soviet Union and he came to America and he came to Selden, Crown Heights, 
the brother of Hendel Lieberman, a great artist. And um, brother, yeah, They're different names, different names, use different names, use different names, whatever reason. Um, and they said to him, after thirty six hours blindfolded on the train, you finally the train finally stopped and you got out of the train. What did you do? He said, well, I took off the blindfold. I looked outside. Looked like it was time for mincha, so I daven mincha. Okay, that's what a Jew does. Yeah. A Jew davens. So we daven shachos already today. And, Beautiful. Uh, mincha will be around 6 o'clock, right? Or one thirty. <laughs> I no, think earlier than no, 6. No, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. <sighs> it's five You're a real chassid, you're davening at 6 o'clock mincha. You can still daven at 6 o'clock. In Maybe. The, in Borough Park. Maybe. Anyways, you can daven shachos at 6 o'clock when work. Anyways, that is uh, our last episode for the week. This is the Daily Thread. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast if you have any feedback leave us an email the daily thread at meaningful and we will see you next week shabbat shalom everybody